I'd like to think that if I was alive in first century Jerusalem or Galilee, that I would have been one of those people who figured Jesus out. I would have been one of those people who would have dropped my nets or left my wealth. I would have been one of those people who sat at his feet. I would have been one of those people who followed him to the end. And I think about my relationship with Jesus and, and I think, I want to think that would be me. But here, here's a startling realization. There were lots of people who met Jesus in the first century, like physically saw him and heard his voice and, and watched his life, but did not even recognize him. And guys, that, that's kind of scary because we'd like to think that we'd be like uh, one of the faithful one of, the, one of the ladies who followed him and, and helped support his ministry, one, one of his disciples who were always with him. Why? Because we go to church every Sunday? Uh, because we fill out on our census, we're Christians? You see, we're not much different than the Pharisees there were, some, there, there were some really, really accomplished Pharisees. That, that word has become like this negative description. But even scripturally, there's some Pharisees that actually were close to the kingdom of God and recognized Jesus. But many of them were like us. Really, really religious, but maybe missing the heart of God or, or the scribes or those who were religiously self-sufficient. Just this week, I, I was sitting with a family that I've been friends with for many years as a surgery was taking place. And so those are oftentimes for extended conversations. It's bad for the person who's under the knife, but for those of us waiting, it's nice to get to visit. So, and everything went well. So I know it's not a joking matter, but in this case, I could have joked. So Remember when I told you sometimes jokes don't work out? <laughs> yeah. Focus, Aaron, focus. And so we were talking about their religious upbringing, and they were describing their church growing up. And it was a group of sisters who were in their middle age now. And they were saying, yeah, you know, we used to go to church, and we would read the prayers and sit up and stand up and sit down and do the activities, but it didn't mean anything. And since that time, many years ago, they had experienced the real Jesus. And, and this is the story of much of America, and it's the story of many of you, either in your past and maybe in your present, that you can be like around the things of God and even around Jesus, but not recognize Jesus. Like you can have proximity to Jesus, but if your heart is hard, you don't see him and, and the greatness and the essence of who he is. And, and so this is the, the scripture today that Rachel read is, is, a, is a powerful scripture. And I want to give you some observations. And, 
you know, how can we see Jesus in the congregation? Like, if you're going to come here week after week, month after month, year after year, I, I want you to see Jesus. I mean, the goal is for you to love Jesus more and love people more. If you love the Church of Indian Lake more after five years, but don't love Jesus more, we failed. Okay, if, we, if, we, if we've created an attachment to a brand, but not an attachment to a God, then that is pharisaical activities. So, here, here we are, and, and we see this, this story of Jesus. And here's my first observation, and this is good, because all of you, all of you have, are doing this right now. Like, like, we could all just be happy about point number one. You identify Jesus, they're showing up. <laughs> it's a way to be at church today. Poor church people. I've noticed it's about church people. Like, you guys come to church, and then the pastor, like, really berates people who aren't at church and then the faithful they they get bludgeoned verbally when they faithfully been here you, you know what I'm talking about you know pastors get frustrated or upset or you know whatever and they're just like people today are dedicated to church and God's not a priority and I just can't but and then the poor people who actually show up are victims of the rant hey so you're here today and I'm just going to tell you that's a good thing to have healthy customs. We're people of custom. We're people of practice. We're people of rhythm. We're people of habits. Good habits create good lives. Uh, good habits are not driven by emotion. They're driven by commitment. So you make some decisions beforehand. And you, know, you make decisions beforehand that these are things that are non-negotiables in my life. I'm just going to put them on the calendar. And unless the Lord changes things... Uh, this is a priority to me. Okay, this can apply to a lot of things, a lot of things in life. I mean, it applies to your job, doesn't it? Right? You, you, unless you're approved time off, you have to go to work because you get a paycheck, hopefully, for that. And, and so we like to think that Jesus, who, who challenged systems and he challenged rules, didn't follow rules, that he just blew up the systems, but he actually operated within the systems he operated within the anointing like like it was within the rhythms and within the customs of his day that the anointing showed up look at verse 14 then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit there was a transformational power on him and popularity came news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity and he was teaching in their synagogues being praised by everyone and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, as usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The NIV that Rachel read and ESV, a lot of them say, as was his custom. Jesus gained popularity and gained power, but he wasn't too good to go to the place where people typically worship on the day that God said to worship for that culture was a Sabbath uh, a Saturday, and we're not restricted to that now, but we, we are called to regular worship. And this is one of the few glimpses we get about Jesus' life kind of before his ministry launched off here in this time of epiphany as we're seeing his revelation to the Gentiles. 
So guys, if you, if you wanna identify Jesus, one of the things to do, the very baseline is just keep showing up. Keep showing up at 242. Keep showing up at prayer meeting. Keep showing up at, at the things that God has called you to be a part of, the things you volunteer for. I mean, don't bring your flu. We don't want you to show up if you have the flu, okay? So thank you for not showing up then. But if you don't have the flu um, and, and you're at a healthy point, having a custom and regular practice of worship is the gateway to identifying Jesus in your life. And Jesus did this. I mean, if we, we, if we ask for Jesus to be our example, he can't just be our example when we like what he does, right? We, ha- we have to be open to every single thing that he does. Here's the second observation today. Have a scripture-centered worldview. A scripture-centered worldview. And as Christianity has sprung for Ju- from Judaism, and we owe so much to our Jewish forerunners, and our, they're the beginning of our faith. And we, we failed to, to realize that how important Scripture is to the Jewish people the Old Testament, and now as believers in, in Jesus and Yeshua, the New Testament has also been canonized as scripture. And so like there was like this special time in the service in the liturgy, the liturgy that the Jewish people follow, which, you know, the, the historic church has, has adapted. Public scripture reading is really important. Okay. So when Rachel came up and read the word and we stood and honored the word, this is in the same tradition that Jesus observed in the synagogues. And so there's this idea of like, we kind of want to make it a special moment. Like we're going to stand for those of us who are able and honor God's word. And then when that word is read and we say, this is the word of the Lord, we're saying, thanks be to God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your scripture. And it, it, the, the, the reason we don't just put it on the screen during that time is because, and research has shown this, is the ability to find the scripture in your Bible or now is in your device gives you a greater ability to look for it when you need that. So, so I just ask you guys, let's try to have the discipline to get out the scripture and physically look at it. I think there's value to that. And, and we, we used to buy Bibles and distribute them, and we'll probably do that again. It's, not a, it's more of a mechanical issue. we got so much going on sometimes. We need more volunteers. Actually, we need more ushers and more people. Not, uh, not, not guys who show up five minutes late and grab a bucket, but people who like guys and girls who like get here early, ready to serve God's people. I mean, bucket distribution. I almost want to get rid of the buckets because bucket distribution is not ushering. Ushering is like serving God's people like what do you need they need pins do they need do we need security do we need whatever you know so that's why I want well anyway let me just move on I was about to make one of those statements that everybody's like ooh, and I regret then afterwards people are like that was good man keep pounding them man everybody likes it when, when you do that so our call to worship today was from Isaiah chapter uh, 62, I believe, or 61. And Jesus quoted this scripture. 
uh, usually in Jewish worship, about seven different people would stand up and read scripture. And, that, and that's also the same in, in, in a lot of forms of Protestant worship today. It's just like, it's not necessarily based off the speaker. Okay, we're, we're conditioned, like, who's speaking today? Who's preaching today? I hope he or she is on. But liturgical practice, which, which we receive from the Jewish people, says God's word is going to be read publicly today. It, can I tell you, God's word is going to be on because it's anointed. It's anointed. And so I, yeah, I, you, can get up, you can get up here and, and even, even um, John Wesley, the way he was saved, which brought one of the greatest revivals to the world that we're benefiting of, um, he stumbled into a Bible study on an off night on Aldergate Street in London. And it said someone was reading the introduction to Romans badly, poorly reading, which is, which I've done that a lot. But the power of the scripture changed his life and it changed the world. Do you see how we're honoring God's word? We're honoring its scripture. It's something special. It's something sacred. It's something that means something to us. So Jesus was picked. I don't, you know, he didn't get the email from the church secretary. That's how it works here a lot of times about Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Do you mind if you read? No, but he was picked somehow, some way. And Jesus stood and he opened up the scroll And now we'll read the narrative in verse 17. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now look at verse 20. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. This was like the first mic drop. In essence, that's really what he did. He said, He read this powerful, familiar scripture and he sat down and said, I embody this. This is happening through me. It was a powerful physical statement. And and I want, for our purposes to, to, to see this, is that as we begin to understand scripture and exegete scripture, which is a really famous word, popular word, that you can learn in Veritas. You can either spend $30,000 on seminary or you can go to Veritas and you learn the same word either way. And what we find through exegesis is the interpretation of scripture that from Genesis chapter one to Revelations chapter 22, and if there, I think that's the last scripture and if there's more, whenever Revelation ends. Jesus is proclaimed throughout the scripture. Scripture always points to the cross. Scripture always points to the empty tomb. Scripture always points to the coming kingdom, the culmination of history itself. When Jesus comes back 
to his people and rules and reigns and shows the world what it's like when Jesus is in charge. Scripture is screaming to this over and over and over and over again. And so we're people of Scripture because we want to recognize Jesus. We don't want to be people of a church, people of a denomination, people of a spiritual identity. We want to be people of the Scripture because in the Scripture is where we see Jesus. And that's a great habit to have too. That's why if you're not on a Bible reading plan, February 1st is a great day to start. You can start January 27th too. But, you know, start of a new month just kind of helps us, doesn't it? So if you fade it out about January 6th or 7th, fade back in. I'm doing two Bible reading plans. And there's reasons why I'm doing two. One of them is a five-by-five that I'm doing with you. And then I'm doing another one. And I got behind several chapters on one of them. And I had a weekend retreat this weekend with our next-gen leaders, which was awesome, by the way. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for sponsoring that. And I hope all of our children and youth workers can go in the future. And it was powerful. The presence of God was with us, planning, prayer, community, all of it. And I got home Saturday afternoon, and I was behind on my Bible reading. And you know what I wanted to do? Watch basketball. So I did. But during the commercials, I got out the word of God. And from about 3 o'clock to 10 o'clock last night, I read 12 chapters in the Bible. During commercials. Now, you might ask, did I want to do that? Not at first. But about the fourth chapter, oh man, it was, it just, it just started renewing my mind. Started reorient, reorientating my heart to the things of God. And, it's, and, it, and it, Jesus, like the Jesus we sing about today and the Jesus that, that is represented in the elements when we go to the table later on, it, it, the power of the word magnifies Jesus. And so be a person of custom. Be a person of practice. Not just in church attendance, but in going to scripture. And th- this could go on and on and on. On December 31st of this year, A miracle happened. The miraculous occurred in my life. I noticed somebody's Facebook messenger message to me. That is the communication abyss. It's the black hole. I mean, sometimes people send me really important things on Facebook messenger and I don't see them for months at a time. But I got this message on Facebook messenger and I try to check that more often. If you really want to get a hold of me, email me. Aaron at CIL.church. On this Facebook messenger, it was someone in our church, and they they said this. I I read this, and so did all of the people and computers who were spying on us, (laughs) both the NSA and Facebook advertising department. (laughs) It said this, the Lord gave me Psalm 19 as a word for you this morning. A perfect pastor's prayer. I pray over you. I appreciate you so much. And at that time, it was like, well, that's nice. I didn't feel 
shivers in my body. I didn't, a light from heaven didn't come down. But when we speak God's word over us, I mean, if you, if, if, if you want to be a person of the prophetic, we have the most safe, sure prophetic, and it's called the word of God. So I went to Psalm 19, and I read it, and there's a portion of it that really stuck out. And it helps us, for those of us who want a scripture-centered worldview. It says, the instruction of the Lord is perfect, renewing one's life. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Amen. The precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant, making the eyes light up. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. They are more desirable than gold, than an abundance of pure gold. Oh, man, that's good. That's good. Now, the, the church pays me well and pays Beth also. So we, we are blessed by your generosity. So I have, no, I have no financial complaints working here, more than I deserve. But, you know, there's a couple of things in an alternative life I would have enjoyed. I would have enjoyed being a football coach, and guys, I would have been good. I would have been good. I'm not trying to brag or anything. I would have shaped up those guys. And then I used to be interested in politics big time, not so much anymore. And so all of these guys, like Sean McVay is the coach of the L.A. Rams. He's 32 years old, and he's probably making $5 million a year, $4 million a year. Then I, I was watching the news and there's some other guy, I don't know his name, I couldn't tell you his name right now. He's in his 30s, early 30s, and he's a political advisor. And this news report told me he's become a millionaire as a political advisor. So two things that were hobbies, like people are multimillionaires about, all right? Have you ever just felt that, like, I'm happy for them, Lord? <laughs> Bless them, Lord. I'm not saying I'm jealous. It just, it just, it did cross my mind, okay? And so this scripture says, they are more desirable, the word of God, than gold, an abundance of gold. And I said, God, help me to love your scripture more than money. Is that true in my life? I hope so, I don't know. But it sure feels good to pray it. Like, God, I... Your word is more valuable to me than a paycheck or winning the lottery or having a job where I'm crazily overpaid, like, like something in entertainment. Isn't that great? And it just, it, just, it just marked my heart. And so I meditated and I was praying over that and I was like thanking the Lord for that. And then I went to verse 11, which is pretty cool. I didn't notice that. It says, in addition... Your servant is warned by them, so the word gets us, keeps us out of trouble. And in keeping them, there is an abundant reward. It's like, okay, Lord, that's good. I want to love you more than money. I want to love you more than popularity. I want to love you more than acclaim. I want to love you more than title. And then if I really do that, there's some rewards that, that I can't even imagine right now. And so that's been a guiding scripture for me for 2019. 
Now, here's a cool thing about it. I don't know if this individual meant this. I haven't asked him yet. He'll, he'll be in church today. Is Psalm 19 for 2019, right? I was like, oh, cool. I don't know if that was his idea or God's idea or whatever it is. But, hey, take it. You take it too, okay? Why don't you take it too? We learn together. I, I'm no more special than you. So maybe the Lord's saying that. Maybe for some of you, you always remember Psalm 19. In 2019, you can't be bought. <laughs> the Lord's more valuable, right? Money can't buy you because the word of God is more valuable than any amount of money you can be given. Here's the last thing I want to say today. Living, we see Jesus in the congregation by living in today's revelation. And Jesus said this in verse 21. Today, as you listen, this scripture has been revealed to you. It's in verse 21. He didn't need a miracle. At this point of his ministry, he had not had a public miraculous sign to prove his identity. But he said, today, as you listen, this scripture is fulfilled. And he rolled up the scroll and he sat down. It was proclaiming his mission. It was a proclaiming what's going to happen. This reminds us of something that had happened centuries before in Nehemiah. For a people who were rebuilding a society, they were rediscovering the religious roots, and they were turning back to the Lord. This was a people who had abandoned the Scripture. They, they, had, they had been dispersed throughout the world, and they had lost their homeland. And now Ezra and Nehemiah had led them back to Jerusalem, and they were rebuilding the walls, and they rediscovered Scripture in a new way. And starting in verse 5, it says this, Ezra opened the book in full view of the people. There again is that public reading of Scripture. And since he was elevated above everyone, and as he opened, all the people stood up. These, again, are just customs. And, and you know, when we have a guest speaker, often I don't have them stand, and we don't do this is the word of the Lord because it's just too cumbersome. So we're not under the law to do that, right? I'm just trying to give you um, biblical roots for why we do that. And Ezra blessed the people, the great God, and with their hands lifted up, all the people said, amen, amen. And they knelt low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And there's a whole list uh, of people who explain the law to the people as they stood in their place. In verse 8, they read out the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that people could understand what was read. This is that preaching and teaching gift. And Nehemiah, the governor, Ezra, the priest, and the scribes and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go ahead, eat what is rich, drink what is sweet. It was a festival day. And send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, we love that statement, and I do. And I, and I, I speak that over my life. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But where does that joy come from? From understanding and digesting the scripture. So you can't just say the joy of the Lord is my strength. Well, just because I like the Lord, it's my strength. No, there, you have to like a particular Lord that's revealed through Scripture. And so as you 
become a, a people of custom, devotions, and coming to church and hearing scripture explained and becoming a self-feeder and even taking advantage of the things that we offer um, that are in addition to, to Sunday morning service. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Guys, you, you know that. I, I want to speak to our idol of sports. You guys know I, I love sports. I, I love sports really more than I want you to know, honestly. And, and, and um, you know, last Sunday or whatever, I watched both of those football games, enjoyed both of them, but neither team I was rooting for won. And, and, and like, some of the teams I follow, the Titans and Cowboys, you follow them all year and then it just ends. <laughs> it just ends. There's no joy in that. No joy in that. It takes your strength. It, it's cool if it's entertainment to you, but listen, if sports is your joy, you need to repent of that. All of you Southerners, and I'm a Southerner, I'm a Texan and a Tennessean, I just gotta tell you that, that we, we, sports is way too important to us. It's a diversion, it's an entertainment, it's something that can, that can bring families together, right? It, it, it's something that, that's fun to talk about in the lobby. I'll talk to you about sports all day, but when it affects your joy, maybe I'll turn off the game and open up the scripture because the joy of the Lord is your strength and you can't have, you don't know the Lord until the scriptures are built to you. Let's stand together.